Let me ask you something. The fact that I'm drinking um, LaCroix fruit-flavored sparkling water and that I quite enjoy it, does that detract from my overall manliness? And the fact that I'm wearing a pink shirt whilst drinking the LaCroix, does that affect one way or another? And the fact that I just use the word whilst instead of while, how does that, where does that, is that, is that a help or a hindrance in my, in my overall manliness? You know what? I don't care. Anyway, it's, it's, uh, I'm, it's, I'm not going to be put in a box. I'm not going to be labeled. All right. I'm not going to say gender is fluid for me, but I, I, I don't have to be gender solid either. Do I? Maybe I could be more of a gender, uh, a gender pudding, let us say. You know, that's, these, are, these are more enlightened times, so you guys need to, need to catch up is all I'm saying. All right. Um, I, uh, yes, gender pudding is, uh, sounds like a really, really bizarre and weird flavor of pudding. So, look, I think that we're, we are headed to a, a dark place in, our, in society right now, in, in our country, uh, and it seems that Democrats are trying very hard to push us into that place. And when I say we're headed into that place and that we're, we're being pushed there, uh, I, I should say that we're headed or we're being pushed further into that kind of dark place because uh, we, we are already in a, you know, we're, we're already there to a certain extent. We're already in a place where, for instance, violent anarchist thugs can uh, shut down a city street and accost anyone who happens to pass by, which, which we, we, we've seen repeatedly over the last few years. And uh, maybe you saw it happen yet again over the weekend. Maybe you didn't see, because it's not the kind of thing the media likes to report on. But the, the um, Antifa thugs shut down an intersection in Portland over the weekend. And uh, they blocked traffic. They physically threatened motorists to pass by. Um, at one point, they, they, I was just watching the video where they chased down an elderly man who was, who was simply, he was, it, it looks like he was just trying to drive through. He was just trying to get by. And, uh, but they were blocking the, the intersection, trying to direct traffic and saying, no, you, you're not allowed to come here. And so this guy just tried to get through and they chased down his vehicle and they started beating on his vehicle with batons while screaming, like right in his face, screaming obscenities at him. And you watch the footage of this happening in Portland. The police are nowhere to be found. They're just, I mean, it's incredible. But it, and the more incredible thing is that we're used to it. That these people in masks can just take over a street. And if you try to, if you, if you try to walk by, they'll just beat you up. And nobody, the police are just letting it happen. Maybe because they're told to let it happen. Whatever the reason is, uh, they have, the law enforcement decided to give these, these domestic terrorists free reign for the afternoon. Meanwhile, while that was going on, you had the protesters and protesters, I should say, put that in scare quotes in Washington, D.C., who were, were being uh, arrested as they tried to disrupt the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. You had we talked about a few days ago um, what was a disturbing but also pretty hilarious scene of the protesters. Again, in scare quotes, banging on the doors of the Supreme Court, clawing at the doors, screeching like zombies. And it's just, and this all happened uh, only, a, you know, only a few days, several days after Ted Cruz was chased out of a restaurant by a swarming mob of, uh, of harassers. And, and these have become familiar scenes in America. 
And the thing is, when we talk about the Democratic response to all this, it would be too generous to say that, well, Democrat politicians have been silent in the face of all this. No, they haven't been silent at all, actually. Silence would be an improvement over what we've seen from a lot of these people. They've actually encouraged it. Remember what Maxine Waters said infamously to her supporters a couple months ago. She said, whenever you see uh, you know, somebody in the Trump administration, you see a Republican, create a crowd and, and uh, tell them they're not welcome anywhere. That was, that was her direct quote from her. They're not welcome anywhere is what she encouraged her supporters to, to say and to do. Um, Senator Hirono was, uh, was asked on CNN a couple days ago whether she thinks it may be going too far to run senators out of restaurants and to go to their homes, to go to their homes. Okay, that's what she was asked. Is it going too far um, when you start showing up at their homes or harassing them in public? And she would not discourage the behavior. In fact, she encouraged it. She said, well, people are very motivated. They're very motivated. Is that what she's going to say? When, when someone actually takes a shot at one of these politicians, when there's an when, when I should say, when there's another assassination attempt, is that what she's going to say then too? Well, they're, it's very motivated. Two days ago, Hillary Clinton uh, all but explicitly called for more violence when she said that uh, you cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for. You cannot be civil. Can't do it. Now, let's, let's keep something in mind here. A political party that wants to destroy what you stand for. Well, that's, that's, that's the nature of political disagreement, of ideological disagreement, isn't it? We stand for different things. You know, you, you want to establish one kind of society and the other side wants to destroy that vision, destroy that society and, and put a new, a different kind of society in place. That's, that's the nature of disagreement. So what my point is, what Hillary Clinton is actually saying here is she's saying, um, you forget about destroy what you stand for. She, what she's saying is you can't be civil with a political party that disagrees with you. It's impossible to civilly disagree. That's, that's what she's saying. And this has been the Democrat approach for years now. This is not, it's not a new thing. They intentionally fomented uh, unrest and, and spread misinformation that led to riots in Ferguson and Baltimore. It seems like we've forgotten about that. We act like Antifa was uh, the, the first iteration of um, these, left, these violent leftist mobs. But no, I mean, there were, there were wide-scale riots happening in cities across the country. And again... Democrats uh, would not condemn it, wouldn't speak out against it. Famously, the, the, may, the Democrat mayor of Baltimore said, well, we're going to give them space to destroy. We're going to give them space. Let them do it. And they justified it, and, and they continue spreading the lies and the rhetoric, hands up, don't shoot, that kind of stuff that was encouraging this kind of stuff. Um, now, this should go without saying, but, but I'll say it anyway. As we're talking about temperament, Democrats apparently care about temperament so much. Well, a politician who will not loudly and convincingly condemn rioting, harassment, intimidation tactics, violence. Okay, these are politicians who do not have the temperament for office. And unfortunately, that describes almost every 
Democrat politician, at least on the national level, and probably most on the you know, more localized level as well. Uh, politicians like that, they, they're, they're just far too vengeful, reckless um, to hold political office. And it's like, it's one thing if you have a Supreme Court justice who gets pretty angry when you accuse him of raping somebody. Okay, that's one kind of temperament. But when you have a major political party that's led by people who will unapologetically incite violence against their opponents, that's a totally different thing altogether. Now, yesterday, Rand Paul came out and he warned, this, this, this very strong words, he warned that, uh, that there might be an assassination. So he's speaking explicitly about assassinations, using that word, the A word. Okay, you don't hear that very often coming from politicians. He said that he's worried there's going to be an assassination. And uh, he said that those who are, quote, ratcheting up the conversation, they're going to bear some of the responsibility. That's, that's a strong, strong words from Rand Paul, especially coming from a guy who was, who was, if you may remember, attacked and badly beaten just last year. So he knows what he's talking about. And these warnings coming from him, we should listen to them. But Democrats are going way in the other direction. Eric Holder yesterday, he, uh, he told a crowd, a cheering crowd, he said, when they go low, we kick them. That's his message. He also called for rage. He said, we need to have rage. Um, and this is the most startling thing. He openly questioned the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. Now, keep something in mind here. When Eric Holder questions, calls into question the legitimacy of our governing institutions, and Maxine Waters tells her supporters to follow Republicans around and tell them they're not welcome anywhere, and Hillary Clinton uh, says that, well, we can't be civil with Republicans because they're so evil, and Hirono justifies mob behavior by calling the, uh, the, the mobbing hordes motivated, and when Cory Booker tells his base that they should, quote, get up in the faces of Republican congressmen. All of this stuff, when they do that, we can only conclude one of two things, okay? Either, number one, these Democrats are too stupid to know what they're doing. They really don't know what they're doing because they're stupid. Or number two, they know exactly what they're doing. And I'll put it this way. I don't think they're stupid. Uh, I don't. I think that these people are actually relatively clever. They know exactly what they're doing. That's the second option. And so the only real question, I think, is whether Democrats are simply unconcerned with the violence that they might cause or if they actively want the violence. And there's a pretty, either way, it's terrible there's still a pretty big difference between those two things. Are they actively trying to incite violence, or is it just that uh, they know that they may be inciting violence, but they don't care as long as they achieve whatever their, their ultimate political aim? I think there's plenty of reasons to, reason to suspect that this, is, that this is what they actually want. Um, politicians, we should remember, are very calculated especially Democrat politicians, especially a Democrat politician like Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton never says anything that hasn't been thought about ahead of time. She goes in and she says something. She, she, she knows what she's saying, and she's saying it for a reason. 
So when she says, we can't be civil, okay, that was not just something she said on a whim off the top of her head in a moment of passion. She doesn't have moments of passion. This was something that she thought about, and this was a, a plan. That this is what we're, we're going to go with. So there's a reason why. There's a reason why these people have chosen now, in a moment in time when tensions are so high, when divisions are so deep, when anarchists are in the street shutting down traffic, senators' families are receiving graphic death threats, uh, which is what was happening during the Kavanaugh confirmation. Um, there's a reason why they've chosen now, in the midst of all that, to start using this especially militant language. Somebody like Eric Holder, who was the Attorney General of the United States not too long ago, he doesn't, he, he, he's not going to get up there and announce that, and this is the, the direct quote, he said, the legitimacy of the Supreme Court can justifiably be questioned. He doesn't say that on a whim. Okay, that's not a moment of passion. He well knows what happens when people start to believe that the government is not legitimate. Okay? He knows what happens. So they're doing this on purpose. Now, there is another thing to consider here. It's, it's, it's kind of an interesting uh, wrinkle. Um, the interesting thing is that the side, the political side that seems to be chumming the water for civil unrest, they're also the side that opposes gun ownership, right? Um, there was an editor at Think Progress recently who said on Twitter that Republicans should be confronted, quote, where they eat and where they sleep. Again, he knows what he's saying. Confront somebody where they sleep? What else do that, does that mean besides go into their house? So he's saying that, yet, and this is right in line with what these other more prominent Democrats have said, uh, like what Matt Maxine Waters said, it's all in the same vein. So he's saying that, yet Republicans are the ones with all the guns. So you confront, I mean, it's, it's probably not going to work out well for you if you try to go into a conservative's house and confront him where he sleeps. The left seems to be itching for this confrontation with people who have them outgunned by like three to one. That's the statistics. There are, I think there's about three times more um, Republicans who, who own guns than there, are, than there are Democrats. So it's just, I mean, it's a miracle that, that one of these motorists or, or, or innocent bystanders who have been assaulted at, at, at Antifa rallies it's a, it's a miracle that one of them hasn't pulled a firearm by now. It's, it's, uh, it's only a matter of time, it seems like. When, when you start chasing people down in their cars and banging on their cars and all this kind of stuff, trying to intimidate them, screaming in their face, assaulting them, you start doing that. I guess if you do it in Portland, you know, your chances are pretty good that they're going to be unarmed. But you start doing that kind of thing. And you're really asking for trouble. Um, and if the left plans to really ratchet up the violence, which is what we're seeing, then the chances seem to be greatly increased that they're going to find themselves on the wrong end of one of those confrontations. So that's, that's an interesting part of this. And you, and you have to wonder, is that part of the plan? I don't want to get too conspira- uh, you know, I don't want to get into conspiracies here, but do, do Democrats want 
gun owners to start losing their cool in the face of provocation? Or have they not far, thought that far, far ahead? I'm not sure. Um, or do they figure that it works out for them either way? Because if you, if you start, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you, if things really get violent and, um, you can intimidate Republicans and conservatives into backing down, then you kind of get your way. But on the other hand, if you are able to incite, um, more of a two way kind of violence, if you're able to get that going, well, then you have a case now. You're going to use that as a case to restrict the Second Amendment. So, so maybe that's their thought. I, I don't know. Or maybe they just haven't thought that far ahead. Uh, but, but either way, the strategy is diabolical and it's dangerous. And uh, we are, as I said, headed to a very bad place if they don't put an end to this. And I'll tell you the thing. Here's what really concerns me, okay? I, I think that we're, we're on a powder keg, as the saying goes. And the powder in the keg consists of a few things. Um, we have, as we've talked about, the deep ideological divisions and the contempt that's felt by the two sides towards each other. Uh, we have the reckless, at best, rhetoric coming from politicians who are trying to trying to wind up the crowd. Um, but then we also have the kind of uh, loss of a sense of a shared humanity. What I mean is, we we're a very morally numb society. And we struggle to see the humanity and the personhood in our fellow human creatures. And that's not just because of political divisions. It's also because we live in a, um, living as we do in a way where we're experiencing so much of life and, and interacting so much through screens, through the Internet. I think it really has a numbing effect. And I think people today often struggle to, to see the sacredness of life. They struggle to see the humanity in their fellow human. Um, so much so that I think people will join a mob. A lot of these mobs and riots and chaos that we've seen, I think there are people who jump into that because they, they happen to hate whoever or whatever they're rioting against. But I also think there are a lot of people who jump into it just for fun because it's something to do because it's all a game to them. It's all entertainment. And this is how they've learned to see life. And they just don't recognize, they don't see the seriousness of what they're doing. And if somebody gets hurt or killed, they don't care that much because, as I said, they don't recognize the humanity of the people who are getting hurt or could get hurt. And I just worry about all these factors We've already got all these factors together kind of in, a, in one mix. And now you throw in what these Democrat politicians are doing now and the things that they're saying. Is that going to be the match that really lights it? I guess we'll see. But uh, I think these are precarious times, let's just say. So pray for our country, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Godspeed.